And if there's not space at the table for Jesus to speak to people at Alpha, then, you know, we become Laodicean for want of a better thing. And that's that's true of church as well. I mean, I guess that's what I was trying to say. I think most of us, you know, we could put on a church service. It could even be quite, in one sense, a good church service. But if the spirit isn't there, then we're in deep, we're in deep trouble. Welcome to this week's, you see, I didn't say good morning. Well, because it's not, we're not recording in the morning. Ian, Ian is not here. The wheels have come off and we're recording at night. We've kind of that's gone, just what happens. We've gone states time. It could be here in the day because oh, we're, we're at night time. It's just, true. we're so connected that even when he's not here, <laughs> we're connected with him. It, it turns out all our, all our clocks have synced to with Ian, Ian time. time. <laughs> Ah <laughs> oh, well, anyway, we're here, myself, Jack and Brody. how are you both? Well, thank you. Good, but you've not even said, you know, yeah, for the so person I, I, who's the first time listener, you've gone rabbit trail without even completing the first sentence. I'm so assuming please, if can they've you got this far that they realise that this is Calling a City to Life, a podcast by Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow. If not, well, good job. didn't know that, you know that now. <laughs> so Brody preached this weekend, but before we get on to that, it's Corrections Corner time. Oh. Because Brody preached this weekend, but he also sent us some additional material. <laughs> because to be fair, it was a bit of a, what's the word for something that's completely like you're never going to be able to fill it? Like one sermon on the seven churches. Paint and a Impossible quart to pot do. or something like that, isn't it? Like some sort of Greek myth type thing that would fit into it, you know, <laughs> rolling a stone up a hill or whatever it is. So yeah, this is... This was so never we got extra a, time. Uh, yeah, so we got extra time from Brody, but there's a very important corrections corner in Brody's extra time. Now, last time, Brody, you were on the show because you weren't here last week. He uh, was here last no, week. No, you were here last last week. Last time the four of us were on the show, it was just before a Scotland football match. And you, you know, slapped us down when it was suggested that we should pray for Scottish football. Scottish football went, went straight out and lost. So, you know, we'll, we'll take that under consideration for the future. But in your extra time, you referenced a Celtic bar that you had visited and you'd phoned your brother-in-law, who, if he listens to it, I'm surprised, will be straight on the phone to you because I think you said in it that he spoke to you and he told you that the mural was of John Brown. I can assure you the mural was definitely not of John Brown. What's his name then? I, yeah, I know it's Brown. Mr. Brown. John... John John Brown, famous Rangers player. <laughs> Scott Brown, Scott Brown, famous Celtic go. player. So there you go. So that's correct. Because we've just want to point out, we didn't actually go in the bar. We just walked by it. All right. Okay. Aha. Aha. Yeah. Yeah. Aha. Yeah. Okay. In, Bro- in Brody's defence, I would just like to say that if he's only making mistakes in relation to who football <laughs> players are, oh, you know, we'll get, we'll get the, into this... all his other interpreting mistakes far on the seven churches important. shortly. Far less important. <laughs> Well, Brody, you had the th- slightly thankless task of uh, preaching on these seven churches this weekend. Uh, give us a, I mean, I'm now going to say give us a 60 second summary of something that you had to record extra time for to get it in. But go for it. 60 seconds. Feel free to speak. I, really I think quickly. we should speak for two minutes. You yeah. go for it. Two no, minutes. No. Okay, we'll give, you, we'll give you a bit extra. I think so. The 60 second summary is that while this is a hard message, of it is primarily there to give them hope and encouragement. Jesus says to the church in Laodicea that, you know, he rebukes or he disciplines those who he loves. So at the end of the day, the, the kind of like the, the big takeaway is 
Jesus loves the church. We need to love the church. I was struck by the fact that he speaks specifically to the seven churches, so he doesn't lump them together. So it's not some general message. And I tried to draw out of how our location and the particular, for want of a better word, job that God has for us to do manifests itself in each church is, is different. So, you know, we're not just like the church down the road because our context and location and God's calling us is slightly different. And uh, then reflected on four of the four of the churches and kind of slipped in that you know, this isn't a message about how to escape our troubles, but how to remain loyal to Jesus in the midst of troubles and hardship. And those troubles and hardship really differed between the churches. So you had, you know, places like Smyrna, where there was quite real hostility, Pergamum that we didn't really go into on Sunday, where, you know, somebody dies. But then Laodicea, it appears that actually they're just a bit too comfortable. And what does that all say to us? And I think this Sunday, in some respects, is a carry-on. Chapters 4 and 5 is a carry-on. It's part of the remedy of how do we remain faithful. Because I landed with Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, you're naked, you're uh, poor, uh, you're blind, you need to buy gold from me, you need to buy cloth from me you need to buy eye salve and how do we do that and I think chapter 4 and 5 give us a glimpse into that and touched briefly on that when we finished it's a really I mean it's two chapters that we're trying to talk about here and if you had to do extra time then it feels like there might need to be like three extra time podcasts just to even cover that and even as you're talking I'm realizing that the question that I'd said to Richard I feel like this should be the opener I'm realizing that I'd really like to open them with another one, which is just something that stuck out for me. So sorry, Richard, I'm kind of like going off piece already. And you thought you wouldn't be able to get lots of questions on this. <laughs> well, it's interesting because at the start of each letter, it says there's a different name used or different reference that Jesus is using in relation to himself. So for Ephesus, the message from the one who holds the seven stars and so on. And then... When you come to Smyrna, this message from the one who's the first and the last, Pergamum, the one with the two-edged sword, and so on. So yep. it's different for each of the seven churches. What is the significance, if any, so I, of the names being different? I, people can read about that in the blog, because that was the blog <laughs> last Thursday. Um, well, there so you go. Part of it, so, so for some of them, it's drawing upon the vision that we have in chapter one of this Colossus-type image of of Jesus and then it expands upon that it really addresses some of the the main challenges that that particular church is facing so where kind of like untruth is the issue Jesus appears mm -hmm. as the one with the double-edged sword the one who speaks truth okay. and cuts away mm -hmm. lies so each of those images refers to kind of like the main challenge persecution that the church was facing and then the the opening so that opening message of you know i am the, the amen is uh, the start to the church in laodicea the the final bit which is normally a promise or you know if you do this they both marry up in some respects okay as as well and then in the middle you have either you know praise 
praise and rebuke or just rebuke, but it marries up. So it, it reminds us that this whole book from chapter 1 to 22 is, is a vision of Jesus there to equip us to remain allegiant, remain loyal to Jesus, to worship rightly because um, there are all these forces that are trying to distort our worship. And when our worship becomes distorted, it's because we've got a wrong image of who God is. Mm-hmm. And that then feeds through to how we live our lives um, and our works. I mean, it's I'm not sure Luther would have liked Revelation 2 and 3 a lot mm-hmm. because it, it, it's all about works. It's all about what we what we do. But that image, having that right image of who God is. And the image, I think, I think when I read that as a teenager, there were scary images. But mm. I think for those early Christians reading those images, they were comforting. So, you know, again, Jesus is the, the one with the, the two-edged sword in his mouth. It's not scary. That's that's comforting. He breaks away mm-hmm. the lies. He comes with with a uh, truth. So that's that's what the images are are doing. Wouldn't a lot of the language as well, or, or the reference and, and the phrasing, it's that kind of hyperlink thing that the Bible Project talks about of its Old Testament, its Hebrew Bible stuff that they would have been familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the uh, one of the churches, here's where I'm rubbish at names, I have a terrible memory. So one of the churches that is facing opposition from people who culturally are Jewish mm-hmm. and coming with all this sort of teaching, you know, you have this whole thing which is lifted from the Old Testament about Jesus being in the line of David and having the keys of David and opening that which cannot be shut and shutting that which cannot be opened. I mean, they would probably know chapter and verse where mm. that that comes from. And so much, I mean, John creates this tapestry where he weaves together images from uh, Zechariah, from Ezekiel, from Jeremiah, from Isaiah, and he weaves them all together. And by the time he's weaved it together, it it has been uh, added to, or it's bigger than what it is. The sum of it mm-hmm. is is greater than its parts as it gets pushed through the image of the risen Christ. As part of your setup, you talk about the seven letters revealing what discipleship looks like and what it looks like to follow Jesus. But with Revelation, there's much of it that obviously you're understanding in the context of his time, even as we've just talked about just now, the the way that the language would have been familiar to the churches then. How do we ensure that we take the bits that we need to take from these chapters and not the bits that we shouldn't, not the things that aren't relevant to us? So I think it's all relevant to us. The question is, how is it relevant to us? So currently for us sitting in Glasgow, we don't face the possibility of death. You know, there's not a there's not an equivalent of Antipas that who has been been killed. And part of that the, the so the some of the background to this is that in the Roman Empire, the Jews had a special status. So the Jews were exempt from the rituals of swearing allegiance to Caesar but also the rituals that allowed them to trade in the, the marketplace, etc. So you, here you have a new Jewish group called Christians who want these same exemptions. And it's causing problems for the local Jews because they're like, these guys are nutters. They're just causing us problems. So that's, that's possibly, most probably, 
the reason of some of the, the antagonism there. So while we don't face, you know, in this country, the prospect of, of, of death because people are getting upset with us, there are some people who would get very upset with us. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we navigate that? But there are other Christians in different parts of the world who do feel face the very real prospect of jail or death or other forms of so that's the that's part of the the the, the thing of when we read this of actually thinking of uh, the global church as well as the local church of it actually perhaps in certain contexts in Pakistan perhaps speaks in a yeah. very more direct way than it does yeah. to us and actually can act as a aid memoir in one sense mm. for us. Do you know what? I need to pray for my brothers and sisters in the persecuted church today who are facing stuff like this, that I'm not facing that, but also alert us to, well, are some of the challenges that we face more subtle? That's why I quite liked, I ended up by quoting a, a Canadian scholar who, who says, you know, those, those of us who live in the West need to read this as Laodiceans and part of the Laodiceans mm-hmm. problem was that they were the accommodationist, were they a bit too comfortable in their culture and that's that's good questions to ask, not that we want a knee-jerk response to that but a considered discerning response of you know, are we too accommodating to our culture? What, what does it mean to be a healthy loyal, following worshipping, witnessing, follower of, mm-hmm. of Jesus with all that. Yeah. When when you read the two chapters through together, I think one of the things that struck me in a new way this time was how Jesus sees and knows everything. And I think we're so guilty of of thinking that we're hiding sin from God or that we are behaving in a way that he's not seeing or he doesn't know. And I sort of love this this sense of well, it's like that verse of meet the man who told me everything that I ever did. It's, it's, it's literally that he knows everything. And you become so aware of his complete and full assessment of their situations. And it just makes you feel, well, it made me feel a bit humbled, like, huh, he knows everything. What do we think we're trying to hide? We can't. And so I think as well of, imagine how encouraging that is. You know, you're this, well, yes. you're this, you're this tiny minority. So Smyrna was was possibly a, a quarter of a million people. It was was quite a large city, um, and you're this tiny minority. And Jesus sees you, and doesn't yeah. just see you; he understands your situation. And for sure, there's there's correction in there, but it it reminds me of, you know, how the Exodus story starts of you know. God hears their cries and, and sees them, of, of Jesus, sees us. And in, in chapter four, is it chapter five, we have this wonderful image of these incest bowls being filled with the prayers of the saints. And what an encouragement of that, of, do you know what? Your prayers are escaping the room. They've made it all the way up to God's throne room. He hears you. He's holding these. And the other image that I really kind of like, was reflecting upon kind of like more myself, didn't really bring this out, was the significance of Jesus holding the seven stars. And so the seven stars represent the church. And this difference from of, of Jesus holding 
you know, so when you think of kind of like, you know, you, you hold it, it's, it's suggestive of care. It's suggestive of protection, of safety. He holds us. Jesus doesn't just have a church, but he, he holds us, he undergirds us. So while in one sense, kind of like the fact that, you know, Jesus sees us, he knows everything in one sense can be a bit, we're worried about what that might reveal of the good news is that God doesn't shame us and Jesus well, yeah. doesn't shame us. So there's hard things said in there to the the churches, but it's within this context of he, he is holding us. And the other thing of he is in their midst of very often when we're going through hard times, the thing that we struggle with the most is feeling God present with us. We remember that revelation is this revealing category. It's it's apocalyptic, it's revealing things. So one of the truths that it's speaking into their situation and our situation is even if you don't feel that Jesus is present with you, he is present with you. Yeah. And I think, as you're saying, you know, that he's not shaming them. He's calling them to life. Yeah. Like, he, 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 all the things that he's saying are, you can imagine that they, in much the same way as we are, that they have, they have missed what they're getting wrong and they're not understanding what it is that they're missing. But he's, he's not only just pointing it out, but he's also sort of saying that, that you, like, you need to get back to your first love. You need to, he, he is giving the positive encouragement about what it looks like to move away from what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's why one of the key things we need to do is is listen, you know, and and that attentive listening and listening together. Um, I think that's that's one of the challenges for us. So that again, that was one of the things I was reflecting on. This these are words to the church, not just to individuals. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's not just how I respond to this, but how do we respond to that? And within that, that brings, and we see some of this within within the the the, the oracles themselves to the different churches of, we're all at slightly different places. So Jesus says, I can't remember which church it is he says it to, but um, I think it's Laodicea um, of, you know, some of you have basically sullied your clothes, but some of you have kept your clothes white. So even within that mm. context and that message, there's people are at slightly different places and we all face different circumstances. We all come from different backgrounds. We're all in different stages in our walk with Jesus. Some of us are fairly new Christians, other very old, and yet we're called to respond to this together with, with you know, Jesus nuancing what he's saying. So what is what does that look like that, you know, I've not just lost my first love, but we've lost our first mm. love. Yeah, I think it is something that I noticed when you were going through this and when I was reading through it separately, is that, yeah, this is Jesus writing to the churches, not to the individuals, so to speak, within the churches. Most of the other books in the Bible are written by Let's say it's written by Paul, inspired by Jesus, inspired by God. This appears almost to be more direct. It is the apostle, but Jesus speaking directly to the churches. And it's not as in like uh, the book of Romans or Ephesians, whereby 
it's a letter to the Ephesians, and then within the Ephesians, here's a word for the young people. Here's a word for the old people. Here's a bit for the women. Here's a bit for the men. Here's a bit for whatever section, the Jews, the Gentiles. This is a note to the whole church. And it got me wondering what it would be like, because the way the intro is in my translation, it's, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, for example. Now, I'm not sure that it's clearly angel is not angel, I assume. I assume it's messenger or something similar, because it's an actual correspondence in, in you know, on real parchment or whatever. I wonder what it would have been like to be in one of those seven churches and for someone to rock up with a, with a little envelope with some parchment or a scroll going, oh, by the way, here's a... Here, Here's a wee letter. And you can just imagine Laodicea getting all excited. They're all full of themselves. And then they open it and they go, oh, oh, oh dear. Yeah, yeah, not quite what we were expecting. I just wonder the practicalities of what actually happened here. Yeah. Well, I mean, starting where you were, you were going with of a, the commentators are a bit kind of like, ambivalent or will not nail their colours to the flag as it were <laughs> with regards to to you know to the angel because as you're you're you say um the Greek word for messenger is what we quite often in our English translations will have as angel. So is this a spiritual being? Does each church have like a almost like a, a guardian angel um for want of a better phrase? Is it the church leader? Is it the messenger who is taking the message to those churches? It made me think of many of you, uh, dear listeners, will be familiar with a 360 review. Now, most people's 360 reviews are private. You know, you get it and the people that you're doing your kind of like uh, annual review with read it and obviously the person who wrote it knows it. But it's not just the Laodiceans that receive the message to Laodicea. The Ephesians get to hear it as well, and they, they all get to <laughs> read each other's. And and you're kind of like, wow, how does how does that land? Yeah. But also, uh, why do that? I mean, it, it, today I think you know modern managers would really frown on something mm. uh, like that. But I think it's perhaps to give an appreciation of you're all my church together. Um, but you have these different challenges. And maybe, I don't know, this is pure speculation on my part. Maybe the churches who just got rebuke, Sardis and Laodicea, send some folk to Smyrna and say, can we can we learn some stuff from you? Because you, mm. you, you got a really positive report from Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, did that? Did that happen? Because the distances between these places, you know, aren't huge. You know, thirty miles here, forty miles there, which obviously in those days is is comparatively further than it is. You know, now I mean, Edinburgh is only forty miles away, and yet it can seem like on the other side of the world sometimes, having to battle across the MA or take the train or or whatever. So I wonder whether there was a bit of cross fertilisation there or 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 support. Of, you know, maybe some of the other churches thought, oh, we need to go and help these other guys. And there was a deputation sent. I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd never really thought about the fact that it's the whole letter that gets sent to the churches. It's not, 
here's this little portion to the church that Laodicea yeah. is I actually, mean, here's the whole book of Revelation. By the way, there's a wee special mention for you in there. So this is going to like loads of churches, presumably. Yeah. Because yeah. it's being circulated and, you know, it goes to, let's just, you know, it goes to Newton Mearns Church and somewhere and and it goes to Queen's Park Baptist Church somewhere and we're all looking at it going, oh boy, mate, wait till this letter gets to Smyrna because <laughs> yeah. everybody else has got to read it. And, and I never really we, thought about the circular nature, nature of that. Yeah, and what we don't know. So we know that in these days that, you know, a letter, just even a normal letter, quite often would be given to somebody, not the postman, but, you know, somebody that you knew and quite often you'd gone through the letter with them explaining. And so they could ask questions of, Richard, what do you mean here? And you could explain that. So presumably that process happened with John as he's written this down and is giving it to a person or persons to take. So we don't know whether it was the same person who went on a circuit round each of these reading this out because that's how it would have been it would have been heard or whether there was seven kind of like people sent out with their own i i doubt the latter because you know parchment's expensive if john's in some kind of house arrest and patmos then even getting hold of parchment might have been quite tricky so i'm not sure that he copied this out seven times and said so one seven... guy or girl going around these churches handing this over yeah yeah but they would have they would have been schooled by john uh -huh. to like take the questions and, and help the people uh -huh. work through some of this so they weren't with it on their 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 own maybe it was wise to leave leo to see it to the last then to the <laughs> we'll go go there last <laughs> well the the beautiful thing with how the word to the Laodiceans end is it ends with a door and chapter four opens with a door so yeah. just even from kind of like a, a stylistic prose kind of mm -hmm. way there's uh -huh. there's a lovely we would call it a segue art now or something like uh -huh. that they're sure those who are more educated than me and kind of like literary devices there'll be a proper name for that but it, Laodicea ends with a door and chapter well, 5 opens with a different door. Well, it feels like a good place for a segue ourselves then. So if you listened last week, we had Des speaking from Alpha and I had the pleasure of interviewing the main man from Alpha International, Nicky Gumble. So we're going to play you that little interview just now. Well, we welcome to the show a very special guest. I'm not sure what his title is nowadays. Perhaps he will clarify. But we welcome the show. I have no, no title. No at title. All. I'm. I have no titles. No honours. <laughs> nothing. Well, I'm just Nick. If you don't recognise the voice by now, yes, this is Nicky Gumbel. So welcome to the show. Welcome to Calling City to Life, Nicky. Really nice to make your acquaintance. I got to stare at you from a distance in the Albert Hall some months ago. I now get to stare at you. You know, it's still from further distance, but it feels like I'm sitting in your own study now that I see all the books aligned <laughs> behind you. It's good, Zoom, because you, you are kind of invited into other people's homes. And that's what we found with Alpha in Zoom. And during lockdown, people said, you know, you miss the hospitality. You couldn't have, you're not having a meal together. And then someone pointed out, yeah, you're missing that, but you are invited into everybody's yes, homes. Yes, yes. And, and you see their home in a way that you don't 
you just meet together in a group, you know, uh, in a small group in church. So it's quite an interesting thing. Well, isn't it? we'll not mention what has just happened by way of me seeing you spill your coffee. <laughs> I just spilled the coffee <laughs> all over my desk. And I got the to see your lovely wife coming anyway. and assisting you as well. So we've got two <laughs> two gumballs for the price of one. There we go. Excellent. So, Nikki, people will hopefully be familiar with the Alpha course if for no other reason than they listened to last week's show and heard Des Johnson speaking about Alpha. They may or may not be as familiar with yourself. So do you think you could give us a potted history of Nicky Gumbel? <laughs> well, I was, my father was a refugee. Um, he was Jewish. Uh, he came to this country, not a church girl, um, uh, nor was my mother. And um, I was an atheist growing up and I encountered Jesus at the age of 18 through reading the New Testament. And since then, I've had a passion to, to communicate the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. That's what I've discovered. And that's what I want everyone to know. And it would be fair to say that you've done not too badly in your career thus far in communicating uh, what it is that you wanted people to know via the Alpha course. I think I first came across the Alpha course in Edinburgh, possibly like 1993, 1994 at St. Paul's and St. George's uh, in Edinburgh. Yes. But we are yes. now looking forward, not just to, not just from the 90s and the nows, the 2023s, we're looking forward to 2033. And in particular, that's why we've got you on the show today, is to talk to us about the Alpha Vision 2033 and what we can do about it as churches, as individuals. So can you tell us a little bit, first of all, about what the inspiration is for Alpha 2033? Well, as I'm sure, I'm sure you have in your diary, Richard, and I'm sure all your listeners have in their diaries the 17th of April 2033, which is... Um, Less than 10 years ahead mm. now, uh, the 17th of April, uh, 2033, as I'm sure you know, and, and I suspect many of your listeners know, is the Easter day, 2033, and the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, many people have sensed a call to make it possible, given that Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, and he's given us 2,000 years, uh, that we should try and make the gospel available to everyone on the planet by that date. So uh, different uh, groups have come together. For example, the Bible translators have come together, and they have a plan to translate the New Testament into 99.96% of the languages in the world. And every language will have 25 chapters of the New Testament wow. by that date. And then Rick Warren is doing something called Finish the FTT, which is uh, a Bible, a believer, and a body of Christ in every community. We had a gathering. I was in Rome for a two-day gathering of um, Catholic movements, all of which are dedicated to the 2033 vision. And they all have different, some of them are prayer movements, some of them are, they're, they're different, different, uh, but everyone has this vision that 
by the 17th of April, 2033, we aim to make the message of Jesus available to everyone on the planet. And our part with Alpha is to make Alpha available to everyone on the planet by 2033. So, uh, of course, we're just part of the picture. We can't do it on our own. We're doing it with all these different denominations, all the different organizations. But over 30 million people have now done Alpha. It's a sort of, we've done the research and development. Now we want to do the rollout and make it available. So we've just done a, a Chinese version of Alpha, which is, I mean, Alpha has always been available in pretty much every language in the world. But what is new is a Chinese version that is purely Chinese. All the presenters are Chinese. All the testimonies are Chinese. All the experts are Chinese. All the Vox Pops are Chinese. It's produced in China. And it is, um, yeah, there's no, there's no Western. No West. The only common feature is that uh, the main presenter wears a blue jumper, similar to ones that I wear. So that's the only common feature. You got there before me in saying precisely that, that the only common translation was the blue <laughs> jumper. Uh, Des, Des referred to the blue jumper. Yes. That's the only common thing. Is your wardrobe like Albert Einstein's? That it's just he made his wardrobe simple by only having one set of clothes to wear, so he didn't make that choice. Uh, is there a wardrobe full of blue jumpers? The, the people demand an answer. <laughs> I've I got a few. Pips complains that they they get holes in them, so she occasionally gets get when there are enough holes, she gets me another one. <laughs> Good stuff. So, what is changing about? alpha in order to facilitate this vision you've outlined something about the chinese version that you're focused on making it all culturally relevant the whole thing for those that haven't done an alpha course a lot yeah. of it's sometimes video based and has your good self featuring it and that's all been adapted so it's chinese presenters uh that are doing the vox pops the people that are interviewed etc etc so anything else that's fundamentally being stepped up or engaged with differently to get through the next 10 years to the fulfillment of the vision. And our principle is that the gospel is unchanging. The message is unchanging. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're not going to change the message. <laughs> uh, the message hasn't changed for the last 30 years, but the packaging has changed every uh -huh. course. So we, Pippa and I have just started our hundredth in a small group in a row. And we're in a small group because we want to listen to what young people are saying um, and to adapt the packaging for young people. As somebody asked me, well, how has it changed in the last 30 years? And I would say it's unrecognisable. But each course, the changes are very small. It's a bit like watching your children grow up. If you say, you know, do your children look the same yesterday as today? Yes, they do. But our 43-year-old son looks very different from when he was a little tiny baby. Yes. But each day, he looked the same. And I think that's the same with Alpha. It's, it's evolved in 30 years. You know, As we've listened to the people in the small group, the packaging has changed. I think the mistake for the, that the church sometimes makes is to think that we need to change the message to make it more culturally relevant, but to leave the packaging exactly the same. And the result is a lose-lose situation <laughs> because the people outside the church are put off by the packaging and they don't get to hear the message has no power because you've changed it and watered it down to fit the culture. So we don't want to change. The gospel is the power of God. We're not changing the message of the gospel, 
because that's what changes people's lives. But in order for people to hear that message, we have to change the packaging. Otherwise, they may be put off by the packaging and never hear the message. So uh, that's a constant. So we're working now on a new film series. We did a film series 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago. No, it's eight years ago. But it's, um, you know, culture's changed in the last eight years. Although I, we used it um, recently. We've just done two, two courses in our own home since we, I've left HTB. And we used the videos. And interestingly, people said, wow, why are you refilming them? They, what's wrong with them? Um, so I think they still work. But I think you know, things things don't go out of date, uh, sort of like in a straight yes. line. They they sort of seem in it uh, totally okay, and then they suddenly go out Absolutely. of date. Absolutely. So we're we're preparing for that moment by doing a news. Uh, we don't want to not have the new film series out when that moment happens. So we're starting to. We've been involved in the project for the last three years, and we're about to start refilming quite soon. Great stuff. Great stuff. And. You must then have some stories of how you've seen different people and different organisations and different small groups change the packaging over what was standardly sent to them when they asked for all the, the booklets or the videos. We heard last week from Des uh, talking about uh, a surfing alpha course that he heard about. You, you must have come across some some weird and wonderful uh, packaging changes over the years. It's amazing. It's amazing to see uh, the same course running in prisons and in parliament. You know, it's running in universities and it's running in homeless shelters. Uh, it's running in um, the Washington DC, but it's also uh, on the, the, the urban estates in um, Zimbabwe, uh, in the townships. It's just to me, it's extraordinary. But what what it is is the fact that the gospel is the same, Jesus is the same, and uh, everyone in the world, uh, a search. There are many different cultures, but everybody's searching for love, everyone's searching for purpose, and everyone's searching to belong, and um, and that's what people find. They come on the course. They they feel loved from the moment they walk in. They come into an atmosphere of of love, encouragement, warmth, um, and they hear a message of love that the Son of God loved them and gave them gave Himself for them, and then they experience His love through the Holy Spirit on the Alpha Weekend. Uh, everyone's looking for purpose, and ultimately, life doesn't make sense until you find a relationship with God through Jesus. Uh, and then people are looking to belong. And what happens? You know, we had the first night of Alpha. On actually on Tuesday, we're doing it at, um, now at our where, where we go, Holy Trinity, Clapham Common, Wilberforce's old church. Right. Where, where now that we've left HDB, well, I haven't left HDB, I'm still on the staff, but I go, we attend our local church, which is an HDB plant. And it was just amazing to look around at that group. And I know in the but the, by the end of the course, we will all be great friends. And there, you know, the, uh, the woman I sat next to said, you know, my parents are atheists, I'm an atheist. Uh, I teach at a school, and one of the I've seen something in one of the teach you know the teachers there has very impressed impressed me, and that's why I've come along to this course. Um, and I hope by the end, I don't know what will happen, but I hope by the end of the course, all of the people in that group will have encountered Jesus, and they will look around and think, 
Uh, I love all these people in this group. I you, ever, By about week five, they all want to be on a WhatsApp group together. <laughs> um, um, and then what they, they've discovered is belonging to a group of people that they haven't only known for five weeks, but they feel closer to than many of their friends at work or colleagues at work or whatever it is, because there's this unique, the church is a un, the most amazing community on earth. And they've experienced what it means to be part of the church. There's not really a lot more I can say about that. There's no point in me trying to emphasise what is just a, a stunning representation of just what Alpha has done and what the gospel can and does provide for people. But what part do you think that we as Christians in the local churches can actually play now in the fulfilment of this vision? I, I think everyone can have a vision for their the area that appeals to them. I mean, for some people, it might be their street. You know, I just want everyone on my street <laughs> to have the opportunity to hear. Uh, for others, it might be, I, I want everyone in my city, Glasgow, you know, would everyone in Glasgow to get the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus by 2033. Um, and, you know, and so, you know, some, uh, we were in gathering in Liverpool um, last week, um, thinking about how everyone in Liverpool mm. could hear the good news by 2033. So I think it's thinking about people have to, some people have a, a passion for their street, some people for their city, some people for their nation, some people for the world. But it, whatever it is, you can play a part. Uh, maybe just for your household, for your, that everybody in your family will hit, get the opportunity, or everyone in your business, or everyone in your in your um, gym um, will get the opportunity. But it's, I guess, it's it's just making the most of every every opportunity. Um, you know, someone turned up. Uh, the house next door to us, on, on my left, is has got building works going on. And our neighbours have moved out for 38 weeks. Wow. Um, about uh, eight weeks ago, uh, there was a man with a rucksack um, outside looking at his phone and saying, I've rented a room in this house. And I just said to him, I, I saw him standing there and I said, you can't have rented a room in this house. <laughs> I know the neighbours, they would never rent out a room in their house at any time, let alone while they're having building works. And it turned out it was a scam. Um, and he'd had to pay 800 pounds oh, up front for a room. So I said, come in and and um, let, let's, you know, contact your bank. Let's try and, you know, sort this out. And such a lovely guy, 26 years of age from Zimbabwe, just come over here. Wow. And just as he was going, I thought, um, I'll give him, I'll give him, I gave him a book written by my son called Loved. Okay. Um, and I didn't think anything of it much, but a, a few weeks later, I, or about I, two or three weeks later, I got a, an email from him. Said he'd, he'd read my son's book, sure. and it had a profound impact on him. Wow. Could he come? Could he come? Could we meet up? So we we went for a walk, and I said to him, "Look, um, I'm about. To, I'm going to give the first talk on an Alpha course that's starting in my local church, St uh, Holy Trinity." would you like to come along he said the day before he emailed me saying saying yeah please what time where can we meet and so there he was sitting in our uh small group yeah. um uh, and you know i just I, I 
is such a lovely uh-huh. guy. Twenty six. Uh, he loves touch rugby. He was a very, very good cricketer, very good rugby player. Um, and they do a lot of sport at the church. And he's going to he's he's going to join the touch rugby team there and stuff. And you just think, it does even if it's just for one person, mm. it's worth it. It doesn't. You don't have to have a vision for, you know, everybody on the planet. It's just if you ever everybody can reach one person, yeah, um, and that one person can reach someone else then we can reach the world. Yeah, what a, what a great story of just seizing the opportunity that God puts in front of you. Uh, that's a, that's amazing. The, the people that just get brought into our lives that just by that little momentary reaction of come in or here's, here's something of mine uh, can make such a big difference. So as we, as we bring this to a close, Nikki, I want to know in the next 10 years, so first of all, have you got your Airbnb booked for, I don't even know if you can go that far forward for 10 years from, from now for traveling out to, to Jerusalem? Is that where you're going to be? Oh, I don't know whether, where, um, where we'll be for the, for the 200. I, I did speak at the garden tomb in Jerusalem we launched the vision on Easter Day, twenty twenty three. I happened to be speaking at the Garden Tomb in Jerusalem. Just by coincidence. So, <laughs> so it was really. It was God incident. God incident. By God incident. Um, I had been invited to speak on Easter Day, twenty twenty three. So it seemed a great place to launch it from. Um, uh, and so you know, this is uh, whether it's the actual site yeah. or not. I don't think matters. You know, it's an amazing visual aid uh the, the sort of the empty tomb the 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 sort of picture of the resurrection happening um 1990 years ago to go and we have now uh, go and we have 10 years to go before the 2000th anniversary um let's let's do it together absolutely no it's an amazing vision i very much enjoyed uh hearing about it down at the at the alpha leaders conference or our leadership conference because it's for all leaders not just those that lead alpha uh back uh, a few months ago there'll be another one of those coming next year presumably yeah. the vision will be a focus again and and be a, a a regular feature of these conferences going forward until 2033 yes we will uh, we're down to have the the leadership conference next yeah, will be on the sixth and seventh of May at the Royal Albert and it's, it's people uh, as you know, it's people from all over the world and from every different um, part of the church, and that's what I love about it is the diversity, yeah. uh, the cultural diversity, and the diversity within the body of Christ all coming together, united around a common purpose, united around the fact that we're all sons and daughters of God the Father. We all love Jesus. We all have the Holy Spirit living within us. What unites us is infinitely greater than what divides us. And we all have a common purpose to see the evangelization of our nations, the revitalization of the church and the transformation of society. Excellent. Well, you can go to alpha.org to find out all about it. And you can join, I assume, Nick, I assume you're invited to the conference next year. So I assume I so. <laughs> you haven't got your invitation through yet. So I assume you'll be there. I'll hopefully be there somewhere in the somewhere in the back rows, up in, up in the up in the gods bit of the the uh, Albert Hall somewhere. 
But if you would like to go along to that and you'd like to find out more about Vision 2033, then do visit the Alpha website at alpha.org. Nikki, thank you very much for your time. I hope that you're being brought a fresh cup of coffee due to the one that was spilled <laughs> just before we started recording. I don't deserve it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't deserve it. I think I'm going to be in serious trouble. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Oh. Uh, all the best. So much love. God bless. Well, welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And yeah, just uh, it was a great chat. Uh, it was very funny. You'll not mind me saying watching him spill his coffee just as we started. Uh, but hopefully the message improved as we went on from that slight calamity at the start. So yeah, do check out All Things Alpha Course. And if you're interested in the Alpha Conference coming up in 2024, then go to the Alpha website for details. Jackie, we left just as you were teeing yourself up for a question. I mean, it wasn't, and now I feel silly that you've come to me because I've just been wanting to say for like the last three <laughs> sentences that it feels like they're all getting to read someone else's report card at school. Uh-huh. That, that's the, I mean, can you imagine having got to read everybody else's report card? It just It's just quite funny. So it wasn't a big question at all. Sorry. Total anticlimax there. Not at all. Not at all. I think it would it would certainly made me feel better uh, had I got to read some other people's report cards that I knew. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's like a good news, bad news thing. It's like, uh, what's that game you play whereby, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> if anyone's well, familiar with that. <laughs> I'd, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So I think at yes, any point, true. if they're if they're looking at each other and in any way that is unhelpful, I, you yes. know, I'd, I understand your joke, but I, you know, <laughs> well, you're the only one that does, so that's fine. You and Laura, <laughs> Laura will understand it. Laura gets all my jokes, or Rose, they get all my jokes. You kind of focus then, Brody, uh, and kind of pitch to some sort of practicality, discipleship stuff for us as Christians and churchgoers to our own church. And you had a bit of a focus on just the kind of aspect of spending time with God. And we've touched on this a few times in the podcast recently about developing good habits of just taking some time out to recognise that it's not about the things you're doing. It's not about how good you are or how good you are in relation to things and how active you are in the church and all these things. It's actually about spending time with God. What, if any, practical things could you point us in the direction of to actually help all of us not, well, be better at making making space? Yeah, that's a toughie, isn't it? And I think one of the things to see within all of that is, yeah, now I'm thinking, can I even phrase it this way, of Christianity is relationship, not magic. So just forming new habits in one sense changes us, but it doesn't bring the transformation that Christ brings because the transformation that we're looking for is to become more Christ-like. What developing, people call them spiritual practices or whatever, or you know spiritual habits do, is they create purposeful opportunities for us to encounter the Spirit afresh and for the Spirit to do a work in our lives and for us to to participate in that. So the challenge is, isn't it, is, is finding time and doing a, 
a, a regular time. I can remember a friend saying uh, that they went to the gym and the first thing that the instructor said was, what do you enjoy doing? Because if you don't enjoy doing this, you'll give up in a few weeks. And I think that's one of the things that we've got to, or perhaps an entry point is, so what do we enjoy doing? Uh, do we enjoy reading our Bible? Do we enjoy listening to worship music? Do we enjoy chatting things through with friends? So that's perhaps a starting place, moving from that place of joy and then moving on to some of the perhaps harder things to do. Or maybe people find being silent and just sitting and focusing on God easy. I don't, my mind wanders. I just, I find it so hard. But I also have really, over the past year or so, really feel as though I've grown and benefited from just practicing, I guess, what some people would call centering prayer, where I'm not coming to God with a great big long list. I'm really challenged by when Jesus is with his disciples and he says, don't be like them over there who just babble and babble and babble in their prayer, you know, of sometimes more is less in how much we say in prayer. But just for me personally, it's been that challenge to just create a space in my day, maybe more than once, ideally more than once, where I sit for five minutes in quiet, not saying anything, just saying, Father, I just choose to sit in your love. I just receive your love now. And when my mind starts to wander, just bringing myself back by just saying that phrase of, Father, I choose to sit in your love and just allowing myself to recognise and feel that I am loved by God. So we're back to Jackie's kind of like, I am seen. And the challenge is finding a regular time to do that. So we all have kind of like a routine. So whether that's getting up five minutes early, and if you live in a busy household, that can be a challenge as well. So perhaps for you, it's on your drive to work. You know, you park up and you park up five minutes early before you get out your car. And you can just spend that five minutes in your car in quiet because there's nobody else there. But build something into your day that is a fixture of your day and don't feel shame or guilt when you don't manage it. Because that's, again, a mechanism and a lie of the enemy to say, you're no good at this, are you? You might as well give up because you're, you're rubbish at it. Because I think we move from I can remember years ago, in fact, as a teenager, of of hearing the the, the kind of like the three uh, well, it's not yeah three D's of desire, discipline, delight. So we move from that place of God, I desire to spend more time with you, just sitting in your presence, not bringing big long lists to you, to the discipline of doing it. And when we start something new, it can be hard. But you eventually go through kind of like that discipline in beds and it becomes a, a delight of, of seeing that, that tra trajectory. It can be useful to, there's lots of different resources out there that can help us with some of that sort of stuff. So I know lots of people really appreciate the Lectio 365. Is it 356? I'm rubbish with numbers. The Lectio 365. <laughs> I'm hoping it's 365, otherwise we've got different problems. <laughs> Man, the world's spinning faster for me. Um, <laughs> so lots of people find things like that helpful. 
you get kind of like, you know, daily kind of like Bible reading books and, and prayer books and things like that that some people find helpful. Other people don't find those helpful. So it's not there's a right and a wrong or thou must and thou must not in this because mm -hmm. the goal is spending time with God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for each of us, yeah. that can take different forms because just as Jesus meets the churches as individual churches, so Jesus meets us as we are made. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're hyperactive, Jesus knows that. You know, he's yeah. going to meet you in your hyperactivity. So for me, I most times when I'm praying, I'm walking. Mm -hmm. But I have also learned, and maybe it's, got slightly easier as I got older, that sometimes walking isn't always the easiest to hear God because I'm like a squirrel distracted by things going round about me. Oh, look, a car. Oh, look this. Oh, look that. So actually hearing, see, it's good, good for me talking to God, but hearing from God. So I've been trying to kind of like spend and build up just like you would if you were doing exercise a short time, just all I'm doing just now is sitting in God's presence, listening to him. And sometimes he says nothing and that's okay. Mm. A friend of mine helpfully talked about it a bit like if you had been fasting, like if, imagine you had decided to go without food for seven days. You don't suddenly then go to eating a three course meal because it would hurt your stomach and you're not used to eating. So you need to start gradually. And there's a thing of if you've been a period of not spending time with God like that, you don't want to guilt yourself into thinking that you need to sit down for an hour and turn it into a big thing because actually that's much harder for you to digest. Yeah, or it'd be completely foolish and unachievable if I was to go out and try and run a marathon tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the athletic analogy can be quite helpful because just the same as, do you know what, I might need to alter my exercise regime if I'm carrying an injury. And yeah. so there can be things that have happened to us or circumstances that actually mean that, well, my time with God is going to look different to yours because I'm carrying an injury. You know, I'm perhaps struggling with this. And that's why, do you know what, all of this leads to actually us being together in worship and prayer. And that's why you can like buddying up with people, going to the prayer corner at church, praying with people who are in your service team, your ministry group, your life group, your friendship circle in QP or without QP is all really um, important in helping sustain us and keep each other's uh, going. Yeah. I mean, to extend it a little bit further, you talked about the, the church in Laodicea, verse 17, you say, I am rich, I have everything. You, you say, I am rich and I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And so if if you're fasting and you forget that you're hungry, I think it's also you can you can forget your need of God in in this in the same way. If you've, if you've been removed from him for so long, then you have forgotten what it's like to be connected with him like that. And Laodicea are guilty of forgetting that they need him and they are not dependent on him anymore. And that is so easily done. Yeah, yeah. And I think. So again, part of the history of this area is it's an area in which earthquakes happen. So we know that in AD 17, there was an earthquake that happened, that destroyed several of these cities, including Laodicea. And Laodicea, along with 
I think it was Philadelphia and Pergamum, they all had to appeal back to Rome to get funds to help rebuild the cities. And then 20 or 30 years later, there's an another earthquake and by that time Laodicea was wealthy enough that they didn't need that outside help. So I think one of the issues at work in kind of like that Laodicean culture both within the church and out with the churches is a fierce independence and a pride of look at what we did ourselves and we built this place we didn't even need help from Rome and the challenge with all of these or with many of these things of do you know what independence isn't necessarily wrong. I mean, I always have said to my boys, one of our jobs as parents is to bring you up so that you can live independently because otherwise you're a child all the time. So there's a right independence and there's a wrong independence. It's, it's knowing that we're dependent upon God. And I think on one level, I think we all know that. or We all face issues in our lives where we... We go, I don't know how somebody gets through this without without Jesus. And yet there's another level to our lives in some respects of we're able to to do most of us are able to do our jobs perfectly fine because, you know, we've been trained in how to, you know, rewire a house according to the Institute of Electrical Engineers latest guide and all that sort of stuff. You know, we we are so technocratic. And the danger is when that starts to come into church and that not that we don't need systems and structures in place, but when it becomes all about the systems and structures or, you know, even all about the course, you know, so Alpha is fantastic. But what makes Alpha fantastic is that it's an opportunity for the spirit to work, because if we do Alpha without the spirit, let's just pack up and go home. You know, um, it's the fact that in creating that hospitable context in which people can come with their questions, that you know what, there's space at the table for Jesus to speak to people. And if there's not space at the table for Jesus to speak to people at Alpha, then, you know, we become Laodicean for want of a better thing. And that's, that's true of church as well. I mean, I guess that's what I was trying to say of, I think most of us, you know, we could put on a church service. It could even be quite, in one sense, a good church service. But if the spirit isn't there, then we're in deep, we're in deep trouble. Well, the church at Laodicea is probably the one that, and the particular phrase, the would rather you were hot or cold rather than lukewarm. It's probably one of these phrases that has swept into popular culture. And yet when you opened it, up on Sunday, you went in a direction which was new to me. I'd never thought about it that way, but I'd always wondered because there's this bit in uh, in verse 15 where it says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. And I've always looked at that and gone, surely lukewarm is better than cold, why is God saying, I would rather that you were cold? That just seems, I kind of get it, but it seems like, you know, extreme language just for the sake of it. And you open this up on Sunday in a way I hadn't heard before, which is actually, it's talking about two different things. It's not about hot water and cold water, but it's about something that heals 
versus something that refreshes. And actually, the bit in the middle, which neither does healing nor does refreshing, that's the lukewarm. So it's either be all in and be dealing with healing in the way that something is hot, that heals, that brings warmth, you know, like deep heat for your body and your joints and your muscles that are sore. Or here's this cold glass of, you know, nice fresh juice or this ice cream cone in a hot summer's day like you would experience presumably in this part of the world, which is refreshing. As opposed to the the old joke about, I'll not tell it fully, but there's the old joke about the thermos flask, keeps hot things hot, keeps cold things cold. And what did the guy bring? Well, he brought soup and ice cream, which was mixed. And it's like, no, it's just the whole congealed mess. You need to be one thing or the other. But both are actually good. And that's the first time I'd heard that before. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I think part of the reason is that the whole message of, particularly within the evangelical church, of being Mm. fire for God has such resonance and of course, we want to be, we use the language of, of being spiritually hot, don't we? Of, of being mm. on fire. Um, and we want to, 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 to be that. But again, of it comes back to Jesus wasn't commenting upon their spiritual temperature, but on the effectiveness or, or the results of their works. So we could be really, and we all have perhaps done this ourselves or seen this done, where somebody's incredibly spiritually passionate, but actually what they do is a bit cack-handed and actually does more damage than good in their passion. Um, certainly I've I've seen that. And the challenge here is when you're assessing what you're doing, is it healing? Is it bringing wholeness? Is it restoring? Is it repairing broken relationships? Is it part of that ministry of reconciliation that Paul tells us that the church has been given in Christ? Is it bringing wholeness? Is it refreshing? Is it calling people to life? You know, it's, it's our mission statement is in there. You know, be refreshing, be cold. You know, not sure anybody's kind of like stood up and kind of like encouraged the church of let's be cold, church. I, I don't know if the recent explosion in popularity of cold water swimming well, will perhaps yeah. uh, give more credence and understanding to this particular passage. I've certainly had more conversations about cold water swimming and the fact that cold is of benefit yeah. than I have recently had about heat being of benefit. But I think the cold one is, is again, a real challenge for us in our particular cultural moment. I can remember... Mm. Being in Lickilpid at Lickilpid Baptist Church, there was some seminars going on. And it's a while since I've spent much time in Lickilpid. But at that time, in the Lickilpid and surrounding area, there was a lot of kind of like new agey kind of stuff happening. A lot of kind of like mindfulness kind of thing and how to kind of like detox your life and de-stress. And the point that somebody made was, you know, Jesus said, come to me all who are burdened and weary and yet if you come to church we just make everybody busy and we're not Mm. we're not refreshing so what is Mm -hmm. what is being a church who refreshes people helps them Mm -hmm. feel truly alive and not burned out what is that yeah that's good what does that look like yeah 
you know, that's that's a real challenge. I mean, it looks like us not just creating some kind of program because that's then to slip into the, and we're doing this without participating in what the spirit's doing. It, it starts with kind of like saying, well, Holy Spirit, in this moment, how how are you wanting to refresh people? We've talked about this kind of stuff a lot, haven't we, post-COVID, because it all wearied us or a lot of, you know, the, the I was at a, a conference um, uh, last week, which a lot of it was, was to do with, do you know what, we're all still really weary from from trying to live and trying to minister through two years of a pandemic. Hmm. What does it mean to be a church that refreshes and there's that hmm. vibrancy? And that's a, I think that's a real challenge to us in our, in our cultural moment. So perhaps we need to be more cold than hot just now. So a question we can look forward to trying to answer next week because time has more than escaped us for this week's episode. So it just shows you that when there's just the three of us, we can, we can still fill in for four. We can still provide Ian's chat. Maybe Ian just, you know, stay away another week's fine. Take it easy. Come back. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Brody's sitting there going, oh, for any sake, will someone shut that pair up? Maybe. (laughs) No, no, it's just that. It's just, yeah. There's, 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 there's. Sharing is better. Sharing is caring. There's other things that Ian does apart from the podcast. Let's just say that. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. If you have got a contribution you'd like to make to the show, then do get in touch. Email office at QP bc.org other than that goodbye from all of us cheerio goodbye bye